Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to the Sticks in the Six podcast. Here are your co-hosts, Andrew Forbes, Peter Barracchini, and Alex Hobson. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 103 of Sticks in the Six. I'm your host, Andrew Forbes, here with one of my co-hosts, Peter Barracchini, and we are getting set for another live show at the bottom line, 22 Front Street in Toronto, steps from the Hockey Hall of Fame, and they had a big weekend last weekend. Um, As for the Leafs, we will get into a little bit of Leaf talk in this episode, but Peter, before we do, how's it going this week, my friend? Oh man, really excited for the second show right now. I really can't wait, but everything's going good. You know, obviously, you know, we're getting towards the end of November, heading into December. So Christmas is already in full bloom at my house. So we're already geared up for the holiday season right now. That's right, buddy. That's right. We are slowly moving into December. The snow's falling out here in London. Um, As you mentioned, we got the big episode coming up on Monday, as you, as you folks probably know by now, Alex is not here with us tonight. He's taking a night off. Um, but uh, we're going to try and run through this fairly quickly. Um, my week has been decent. My week's been good. Um, Decent's I, good. I, if, you, if you saw on Twitter, I got a new, new piece for the, uh, the man cave down here. A nice little nameplate from the locker of Timothy Lilligren from the 2022 NHL playoffs. Straight from real, uh, real sports. Um, you know, signed, got has the signed off on as as legit. So, um, good stuff there. Add that to the uh, to the trophy case down here. On top of that, I want to quickly mention you mentioned off the top here before we start recording that, you know, I'm looking a little fresh. Got the beard gone. It's, li- <laughs> it's lined up a little bit. Got the hair all ready for the live show. There you go. I just want to say that every person. Whether man, female, whatever, you know, he, whatever you are, should have a great relationship with their their hair taker or their yeah. hair, hair, hair caregiver. Let's call mm-hmm. him a hair caregiver. I have a barber named Shane, and um I uh very rarely go because very often I just get sick of my hair and I just shave it off. I just mm-hmm. go for the full buzz, right? So I do it myself. But I went to see Shane this week and get it cleaned up and get the fade in and get the lined up beard and everything like that. And I hadn't seen him probably for like, I don't know, three, four months. Second, I walk in there. This is 10 a.m. First first appointment of the day. Got to get in there. Got to get clean while they're oh, all yeah. you know, they're well rested. 
And Shane walks out, gives me the biggest hug and says, man, I saw you on my appointment board. It's been a while. It's been a minute. Mm -hmm. It's good to see you. And it was just smooth sailing from there. We talked about the podcast. He's a huge sports fan. He's going to listen in. So Shane, shout out to you. Um, Shout out to the great work you do every time I'm in there. And uh, he actually cuts the hair for dark guy here in London now. So there you go. There you go. Some leaf content for you right off the top of the show. Um, But before, so hug your barbers is what I'm saying. Hug your, your hair (laughs) caregivers, give them a, give them a pat on the back and, you know, give them a shout out for making you look as good as you do. But into the hockey talk, I want to get going into the Leafs a little bit here, but first, before we do, let's talk a little Alex Edler. Sticking out the knee again. We saw it with Hyman two seasons ago. Hyman missed two months because of it. Now Hyman's teammate, maybe one of the best players in the game today, Connor McDavid, gets the knee on knee from Alex Edler. And it was evident that mm-hmm. it was yet another attempt to take out a player. It's not It's not even attempt to injure. It's attempt to take out a player. And I'll, before, we, before I get into it, I want to get your thoughts on the Alex Edler incident and why are we not seeing a suspension for Alex Edler yet? Um, well, like you said, it happened on Zach Hyman two years ago with the Leafs. And it is exactly the same thing that happened at that point. Yeah, it may, people are going to say, oh, he was standing up at the blue line. His knee came out throughout the whole entire thing. Like, you knew what was going to happen. And luckily, McDavid's had issues with his knees because I believe he had that incident where... You know, he crashed into the post and he had that massive injury and he had like physiotherapy to come back and he was like, you know, didn't require surgery at all, came out at his own term and, you know, did what he needed to do. And now his knee is back 100%, which is very miraculous with the types of steps that he did to get back. And seeing that reminded me like, damn, don't tell me that this is going to be like another knee issue for him because he's had that, you know, uh, the mu- the muscle tears before and the fact that he was able to get up on his own accord was great it wasn't serious but you know i i would have done the same thing for like Dar- like if i was darnell nurse i would have gone in and defended him because i was completely uncalled for and this isn't the first time that uh elder has done that and everybody's gonna say oh it's an accident you know we made a boneheaded play yeah it was boneheaded but Again, not the first time he's done that. He's a repeat offender for this. And the fact that the NHL hasn't done anything yet is concerning because this should be a five-plus game suspension right now because he's a repeat offender. He's done this before, and it's just getting sickening. And I so, love how Drew Doughty tries before to, like, you go on you know, there, Before you go on there, I want to ask you yeah. about the about the Darnell Nurse because Mark Spector came out and said, like, he can't believe that the refs found a way to even it up. Typical refs, blah, 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 blah. Which I understand. I understand the frustration. I understand oh, yeah. you got a guy coming in and, and supporting his teammate. Darnell Nurse did the right thing. You know, that's I, I think the refs got in on it too early. And they still gave him a roughing penalty because mm-hmm. that's what the rules dictate. So the yeah. rules dictate that what he did was roughing. Mm-hmm. Um, they even they even it up. You know, that's part of what happens when you go in and stand up for a teammate. Now, the complaint from Mark Spector is that they shouldn't have evened it up, that he was going in protecting his first class, you know, first class player in the in the league. And they'll call the retaliatory every time. But I want to get your thoughts. So the criticism right now is that the the league's officiating is not up to snuff. Now we've really 
now we get people. Yeah, I know, I know, I know. <laughs> we talk about it on the podcast all the time. I know, but now you have the now you have the official officials actually calling it by the book, and there's complaints about them calling it by the book. So, I guess my 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 question to you, and and I know I interrupted your thought here, but oh no, my my question to you is where's where's the line then? Where's the line if 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 you're going to complain that the calls aren't being made and then you complain that the calls are being made, where's the line when it comes to what Mark Spector had to say? There, I don't think there is a line. And I was just gonna, I was just going out there saying Drew Doughty is trying to like uh, you know come to Eller's defense. There's no defense for that. So the fact that he was doing that was just I don't I don't know what he was doing, but whatever. Um, there is no line because right when you think that there should be a penalty call. There isn't. And right when there shouldn't be a penalty call, obviously they make it up for it. And it's just like there is no consistency for this. I don't understand why there's this issue where they have to like, you know, make the calls up as they go. Game management, whatever you want to call it. It's just just call it by the book. Like Darnell Nurse going in, that is a penalty. But the knee on McDavid wasn't. So I can understand the frustration there. I really do. But at the same time, it's just you're never going to win with the officials. You never are. And as much as you want them to do the right thing and make the right calls, it's never going to happen because this league has been a joke for years and it continues to be a joke. And we've even seen that a couple of times this year with the Leafs against the Penguins. You know, there's a sequence where, you know, there was the high, uh, again, I think it was against the Penguins. There was a high stick and it didn't even hit him. It was the puck. And that's a high stick. Yeah. Okay, since when is the puck hitting someone in the face high stick? And that's the perfect example. That shouldn't be a penalty. But at the same time, you know, uh, it doesn't surprise me because whenever the officials make a call, it's either going to go great or it's going to go bad. And most of the time it's going bad. I, I just don't care. I see your arm go up. I'm like, oh, great. What now? That's my first instinct because there is no line. They just do whatever they want. So I've seen a lot of the questions of like, is was the hit dirty let's let's settle it right off the hop absolutely the hit was dirty the intent oh, yeah. was there the leg was stuck out it wasn't it wasn't like you know he was he all of a sudden mcdavid tried to shift and and and, yeah. and get out of the way the hit was dirty there's no question about that now when it comes to the officiating you know better than anybody i'm one of the biggest critics when it comes to officiating i think the the officials are completely taking over the game um, they, they call what they want to call. I've, you know, I'm, I'm not a huge fan and, and don't get me wrong. If we had the opportunity to get somebody like Tim Peel or Carrie Fraser, somebody on the show, absolutely. I'd, I'd want to mm-hmm. hear their side of the story because they see things differently. And in this instance, I can understand where maybe they did, they see it at real time. Maybe they don't think the intent is there by Edler. Hence the two minute minor rather than maybe a game misconduct. Yeah. Right. That said, after the game, the NHL knows the history here. And this mm-hmm. is not the first time. It's not the second time. He need Eric Stahl, I believe, was it the world world championship or it was yeah. uh was the world championship or it was the Olympics. Anyways, was, yeah, I'll, do, I'll do a quick search. Yeah, do that while while I'm going here. But regardless, Edler Edler has done this multiple times over his career. And I understand that to the extent of the NHL's definition of a repeat offender yeah Mm -hmm. the hyman thing happened two years ago he doesn't technically qualify as a repeat offender that said the only way to get this stuff out of the game is to 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 make an impact call and that's 
suspending him for four plus games. I none none, none of this five thousand dollar fine, none of this one to two games. Five games is is sends a message. And I'm just going to read off a couple of uh, Edler stats over the mm-hmm. last three years and just show it you was, how. It, I was just about to say it was the 2013 yeah. World World Hockey Championship. Yeah, perfect, perfect. So and and just furthers my point, but. Let me read off a few stats here and just kind of show you how irrelevant Alex Edler has been over the last few years. 2020-2021 with Vancouver, 52 games, 8 assists, 8 points. 21-22 with the Kings, 41 games, 3 goals, 19 points. This year so far, 16 games, 3 assists. You're not talking about suspending an all-star player anymore. Mm -hmm. If we were talking about Edler 10 years ago, Absolutely. Then you're looking at it and saying, well, can we really get rid of a guy like this with this, you know, this mm-hmm. magnitude of a player for five games? You're talking about a guy who's on the back nine and he's still pulling this shit. That's when you have to get rid of a guy. He's not to me, to me, Alex Edler's irrelevant. He's not he's a not face the, of the NHL. He's not a player that you look at and say, yeah, you know what? Hey, fantasy hockey, I'm picking up Alex Edler. Absolutely not. <laughs> this is not the same Alex Edler that played on those teams with the Sedins and, and Marcus Nasland and all that kind of stuff. This is an Alex Edler that really has lost a step. And to keep up with players like Connor McDavid, he's got to stick his knee out and take them out that way. And it's it's dangerous. It's career-threatening. And... To me, if nothing happens from the NHL standpoint, I think it's complete bullshit. So, oh yeah, if, if you're out there questioning if it's a dirty hit, you know, check yourself, check yourself because it's it's a dirty hit. There's there's absolutely no question mm-hmm. that it was a dirty hit, um, and you know, slow it down if you have to and take a look. Look back at the Hyman one. Look back at the Eric Stahl one. This is not this is not a one time thing. This is this is something that continues to happen, and it's it's something that needs to stop. Right. So, oh yeah. Um, it's his third one. Yeah. And, and that's that, that we know of, right? Like we could go back yeah. and watch the tape. I'm, I can guarantee you there's going to be other instances where he sticks out his leg to try and, mm-hmm. you know, defend a play. But this is like the third major instance where there's video of, of him doing it. And again, it's just, you know, it's one of those things you want to get out of the game the same way you want to work on hits to the head, work on yeah. kneeing. It's, it's such a dangerous play. So, um, Aside from that, I think we should jump over to the Leaf Talk. Uh, I, this is the first time I, I can remember in – well, I mean, we've been doing it for almost three years. So this is the first time I, I can remember that we're doing a post-game show. Yeah. Um, so obviously the Leafs just lost in overtime to the New Jersey Devils. Um, we'll get right into that because I think that's a great talking point for us. The New Jersey Devils on an 11-game winning streak now after beating the Leafs in overtime – and the Leafs, again, coming from behind in the third period, making it interesting, getting the point, and yet they fall short in overtime. And again, a kind of weak giveaway at the blue at the defensive blue line by John Tavares. Um, you can credit Marner with the giveaway as well. Again, Marner circles a little too far, doesn't get back into the play in time, and you can't blame Matt Murray on this one. Matt Murray had a hell of a game, stopped 30 of 33 yeah. shots. And still, it uh, you know it's a rebound that uh, that gets put behind him by uh, Sharon Govich. So, be what, like, what are your what are your thoughts on on the game as a whole? The Leafs coming from behind and maybe just you know that three on three overtime that seems to plague the Leafs right now when it really shouldn't. 
uh, add that to the list of things that they need to work on because every single time they've been in overtime this year, it has been atrocious. That that with the that skill set that getting, they have. That list is getting quite long though of of the it things is. that the Leafs need to work on. Yeah. And again, I think, and even Sheldon Keith said it best, like this team gets down on themselves so quickly. It's not even funny. Like that second period or, or, you know, Matthews gets the goal and then all of a sudden they tie it up. They, they give up so easily with costly turnovers. They get so complacent that they just check out. And I honestly think that something needs to change. Like, how can you get this team motivated? How can you get them in the right mindset? Because this has been this is this has been what's killing them this whole entire season. Bad lapses, bad giveaways, you know, getting com- too complacent with themselves. It's all a repeating factor. Like these are the things that are killing them in the standings. And they're lucky to be, you know, in second or third in the Atlantic right now because there's no way that this is this should last. I mean, this is just absolutely unacceptable. And for a team that's, I get in three on three when you don't have the book, you got to play a little bit more of a cautious approach. But man, they get, they jump at offense at the very first sight and then it kills them automatically. Like they got to figure things out to play a full 60 minute game because I think they've only done that about two, three times this year with a full 60 minute effort. And they don't do that. It's, it, it is concerning. And the fact that they're, I, I can't even remember, don't even know what the record is in overtime right now, but it is not good. And when you're struggling in overtime right now, those pity points are going to pile up and they're going to be the difference makers come playoff time. So, yeah, I, I really don't know what to make because this team, and even Sheldon Keith said it best, that they would not have gotten this point if it weren't for Matt Murray. Matt Murray was phenomenal. He was phenomenal this game, phenomenal against the Pittsburgh Penguins. Great bounce back effort for both of it for him to come back after the injury. But yeah, the three on three, they got to fix this because with a team like this, they get too ahead of themselves. They're already thinking offense when the team is playing in the moment right there. You can't think ahead like that, especially on three and three, because one mistake is going to cost you and it's costed them many times. Yeah. So the Leafs have lost four games in overtime already, none in the yeah. shootout. So, I mean, obviously the three and three on three has been a problem. I, I'm going to throw a suggestion out there and, and say like, you know, why not start a guy like Dennis Malgan in, in overtime, a guy that clearly has put his best foot forward this season um plays that physical edge might not be your star player but might be a guy that goes out there and at least you know raises the tempo in, in overtime with without giving it away maybe started david Kampf. maybe that's a guy that goes out there and you know he's gonna play he, you know he's gonna play protective puck management until you can get your stars out there in the offensive zone because right now the problem is the offense the 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 leafs aren't getting into the offensive zone in overtime, yeah. the play is being, you know, is happening in the in the defensive zone, and there's breakdowns in the neutral zone, and that's what we're seeing exiting the zone on three on three. Um, you know, we saw Riley play essentially play forward in in their last overtime yeah. loss. Um, Matthews and Marner, obviously, you know, we've seen them broken up now. It's it's a little bit different, but there's there's lapses where these guys should not be having lapses and twice now i mean marner circled outside of the zone and been the last man back and that's it's it's his guy that ends up scoring the goal 
Yeah. So, I mean, you got, if you're, if you're Sheldon Keith, you have to understand that, you know, your job, your job's essentially on the line. Cause if Dubas doesn't come back at the end of the year, you're Dubas's guy. You could be out just as quickly. You could be out mid season. If Dubas looks to save his job. Um, so at this point in time, you have to make changes. You have to make changes. Mm-hmm. And, and on top of that, I want to get into like, obviously you mentioned Matt Murray played an incredible game, incredible game. He's, he's looked good since coming back. He's, he's keep giving them an opportunity, but the Leafs are coming from behind again. And I believe in like, so they have nine wins this season. I believe in eight of those nine games, they've actually trailed at some point. So this is, this is the Florida Panthers of last year where they, the, how many comeback wins are they going to have? Mm-hmm. And maybe maybe it'll help them throughout the regular season. But we saw what happened to Florida in the, in the postseason, and it wasn't pretty. Um, so if you're the Maple Leafs, you got to find a way to get it started early. You got to find a way to get your your best foot forward from the from the drop of the puck and, and go ahead early. Because at this point in time, you can't be especially against teams like New Jersey. I mean, New Jersey's New Jersey's having a year right now, mm-hmm. and 14 and three in 17 games. I mean, they're leading the Metro. They've won 11 straight and you're going to go down early against the team like that. It's you're not, you're not going to win games. You, you're yeah. fortunate right now to come out with a point. And uh, to further that, to further that, I, you know, if, if, if you're struggling at three on three, you need to find a way to get it done in regulation. Right. Mm-hmm. Because I can guarantee you, I've watched this team for a very long time. The shootout's not going to happen either. This is a oh, team yeah. that you need to get it done in regulation, period. But I, I don't know. I don't know. Like, from what I saw in the game, I think there's certain players. I mean, I, I think you you and I are on the same page. I know Alex is on the same page as us as well. But there's there's certain players in the in the lineup right now that need to come out. Oh yeah, Pierre Engvall's number one on that list. Justin and Hall, Justin Hall, absolutely. Well, then again, uh-huh. if we're talking forwards, yeah, but I, yeah. I do agree that Engvall should come out, and I, and you got a guy that's quick on offense, and Nick Robertson just sitting in the press box for absolutely no reason. An energy guy with speed and that plays physical. Now you've got a guy the size of Engvall, and there's another play tonight against New Jersey where he. He uh, led up on a on a on the end boards where he he was going in for a hit. I can't remember who the who the the opposing player was, but and he he let up even though the the puck was moved. He let up. Mm-hmm. When you play contact hockey, one of the first things you're taught is to finish your checks. Can you name a single game where this guy has gone out and finished his checks on a on a consistent basis? Not really, no. And that and that's the sad part because. Teams that win often are engaging on the forecheck and they're set, establishing the attack. That third line, as good as as much as I love, you know, Yarn Croak and Kerfoot. Well, not necessarily so much Kerfoot now because of, you know, things seem to die on his stick as well. It's just you're not getting that consistency right now. So if you have a big guy like Engvall who's not even finishing his checks and then everything is dying on two out of the three players on that line. What's the point? Time to shake things up. And you know what? Keith has mentioned or criticized Engvall before in the past. Why not just bench him? Staple him to the press box. Let him watch. Let him figure things out. 
do we do we even want to talk about Kerfoot and that that backhand pass that he oh made? Mm, like, no, I nope. think I think we've seen it on Twitter enough, but it's just nope, like nope. those are the things that you just you here, have the clear lane and you make that pass. Let let me what put something into thinking? perspective. I want to put something just into perspective yeah, yeah. for you. Sixth on the team right now in hits with twenty one hits, Nicholas Obey Kubel, and okay? he's long gone. He doesn't even play for the Maple Leafs anymore, mm-hmm. and he's sixth on the team in hits. Do you know who's fifth? That's John Tav- John Tavares. Yeah, your your captain, who was supposed to be done this season, was supposed to be you know, slow and sluggish and not he's fifth on your team in hits. Yeah. Austin Matthews is second on your team in hits with 35. And here's one that's going to blow your mind. I'm looking right at it. Rasmus Sandin. Yeah. Okay. The guy that is not playing with confidence, according to his head coach. And I don't think he was calling him out, but he's not playing with confidence is leading with 40 hits and he's one of your smallest defensemen. Mm-hmm. Explain yep. that to me. You can't. If you're if you're Pierre Engvall right now, yeah, you're sitting eighth on the team with hits. 19 hits, okay, through 16 games. So just over a hit a game, okay? Now, 19 hits when you're 6'5", whatever you are, there should be absolutely no excuse for this, especially because 90% of the time you're playing without the fucking puck. Mm-hmm. Use you your size. Sandine's number. Use your size. Mm-hmm. There's absolutely no excuse because you don't have the puck. You're not scoring the 20 goals that you told everybody you were going to score this season. So go out there and play physical and get the puck. Make the plays. Be the player that the Leafs signed to the contract that they signed you to. This is the saddest excuse of a player that I've seen in Toronto in a long time. Yeah. A lot of players that they were banking on having like major impacts like Hall and Paul and Kerfoot, they're just not cutting it out anymore. Like you see them play on a nightly basis and it's like, what has Kerfoot done to not necessarily warrant an extension for next season, but what has he done to even be on this team? What has Engvall done? What has Hall done? Nothing. All three players are have were expected to play critical roles, and they've been invisible for most of the whole entire season. Dennis Malgan, 14 hits in 13 games. Nick Robertson, 10 hits in 10 games. Like, these are guys that are tiny compared to what Engvall is. Yeah. Absolutely tiny. And then if you go and look at it, Malgan's Corsi 4 for the season is 56.4 at uh, 5 versus 5. Okay. Mm-hmm. So he has the puck and still he's got, he's averaging a, a hit a game. That to me, that, that blows my mind. When you look at when you compare the stats and look at it realistically, like there's absolutely no reason why, why Pierre Engvall should be in the lineup right now. He, he's, he doesn't, he doesn't get it. He doesn't get it. So if, if this continues, I mean, I'm not saying fire Keith, but like if you're Dubas, you sit down and have a meeting and say, look, this guy's not cutting it. You've given him multiple chances this season to prove himself. Like we're already like 18 games into the season. You're telling me in 18 games into the season, he really ha- couldn't figure things out. Like get Simmons back in there. At yeah. least you're getting an energy guy. Or if you really want to, you know, promote somebody from within that actually deserves it. 
Call up Alex Steves. Call yeah, up no, Logan, absolutely. Call up call up Logan Shaw. Logan Shaw is looking pretty good right now in the Marley. So, what are you going to do then? Give somebody a chance that deserves it, whether it's a pro or a minor. Give them that chance. Anyways, I think I think I've gotten heated for the for for my uh, a quick heated moment for for at least this episode. Um, oh yeah. <laughs> be, before we keep it going here, a uh, quick ad read from our sponsors over at the NDL House. Hockey is back, and with it, so are the Maple Leafs. Getting ready for a night out or watching the game at home with the gang? What better way to do it than with a nice cold one from the folks at NDL House in Toronto? With two locations in the city at Italy, Toronto at Bay and Bloor, the Biroteca location, they have two big screens, amazing authentic Italian food and loads of beer. Also at OG Brew Pub in the junction at Keel and Dundas with 120 seats, famous bar food and 12 taps. Indy Ale House is award-winning brewery featuring their flagship instigator IPA and dozens of rotating monthly specials, special release beers. Perfect for takeout, dine-in, or bottle shop online orders when planning for game night. You can find Instigator IPA and Marco Polo Pilsner at finer LCBOs across the province as well. Hashtag Live Indie is the motto. Adventurous, fun-focused beers with a selection for everyone from a healthy dose of in-your-face hoppy beers for the beer geeks to mainstream Pilsners and easy drinking options. Indie Ale House is the go-to for game day. And as always, I'm sitting here enjoying an Indie Ale House Instigator IPA. Uh, beautiful, beautiful IPA for you IPA lovers out there. To make to make your online order, visit www.indialehouse.com today and put in your order for some incredible beers from the Indie Ale House in Toronto. Anyways, getting back to the Maple Leafs after our little beer talk there. Um, Matt Murray, we we, we kind of discussed him a little bit. He's played three games now for the Maple Leafs. He's 1-1-1. One, one, and one. Um, Or sorry, 1-0-2, one, one, oh, isn't he? 1-0-2? 1-1-1. 1-1-1, oh, uh, one, one, and one. One, one, and one, that's right. 1-1-1. One, one, and one. Anyways, um, he's starting to pump that save percentage up a little bit. The goals against is coming down just slightly. Uh, probably be sitting around three after this game, right around the 900 mark. So the numbers are going to change. I mean, it's such a small sample size right now, but we're seeing what we are seeing from him is intriguing. It's, um, it's no, I'm not going to say promising, but it's it's kind of what you expected from Matt Murray when the Leafs went out and signed him as their one A. Let's call him. Against New Jersey, he looked he looked solid. Again, the the third goal not his fault. I mean, it's 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 one of those rebounds that you know you you hope that one of your guys get back and and grab the stick of the uh, the opposing player. But you know it is what it is. It, it it came down to that. But what I what I've liked so far, Peter, is is what he's had to say post game, and it's about hey, I'm taking it one day at a time. I, mm-hmm. I'm gonna get there. I'm getting there. It's just going to take a little bit of time because I did suffer an injury. I did. And obviously with goalies, you you have that lower body injury. It does play a part in, you know, your recovery takes time. You have to get back on the ice. You have to get your movements back. You have to get your side to side, your post to post. Everything plays off of how much time you have on the ice. So with that, what have you seen with Matt Murray so far? And and are you impressed or is this, is this a guy that maybe – might be might be one of those things that Dubas looks back on and kind of regrets. 
uh, like you said, it's a small sample, but obviously the first game, his glove hand wasn't that great. He got he did get beat by Nico Heischer, but it was a result of a turnover at the offensive zone, two on one. Riley didn't really play that well. Um, and maybe his glove hand could have been a little bit better position positioned to get to make that save, but that was still a perfectly executed shot by Heischer, no doubt about that. But he has made critical saves in both the Pittsburgh Penguins game and this one against the New Jersey Devils to try and keep his, this team in the game. And you mentioned before, Sheldon Keefe said this, they wouldn't have gotten a point if it weren't for Murray. So we know that he came to show up because he made a couple of outstanding plays and outstanding saves where it should have been an easy goal. No doubt about that. But it's now come to the point where the team has to play better in front of him, just like they had to play better in front of Samsonov, uh, play better in front of Shogren. It's the team in front of him that's still the issue. And obviously, yeah, injuries are going to be the big reason why. His durability is going to be the big reason why this may be Dubas's saving grace kind of move. Because it, it it was risky. We all agree it was risky. And we all want Murray to be successful. But a lot of things need to go right. None of those goals were his fault. But the team and better has to be in front of him. But there are going to be games where maybe he does allow a stinker to end. And then everyone's going to be like, oh, there we go. You're going to pile on the fire Dubis. You're going to pile on Murray. And it's just going to be another crapshoot in itself. Um. I think that if he continues to play the way that he has and everybody else does their job outside, Matt Murray could still get back to the way that he was because he was posting up good numbers last season before he went down with his injury. If that happens, then this is going to be great for Dubas, for Murray, and for the team. Until everybody could get on the same page on the ice, then Murray's going to struggle. But then again, we saw them struggle with all three of those goaltenders in front and Samsonov still managed to steal games. Now it's probably Murray's time to try and steal a game for this team, even though, you know, he's playing well in these last two games. He needs to probably seal one to say, Hey guys, you owe me because what you're doing in front of me right now is not going to cut it. Yeah, no, absolutely. And just looking at the numbers on natural stat trick here for uh, tonight's game against uh, the New Jersey devils. 12 high danger shots against for Matt Murray. He made 10 saves out of those 12. So, mm-hmm. I mean, that that considered, like, obviously you'd love to have one more of those saves. Maybe it's a game changer. Um, that's when we talk about a goaltender stealing games. But Matt Murray at this point is not going to be that guy that steals games. If he, mm-hmm. I think it was Alex that said last week, if he's a guy that can come in here and play at like, you know, a save percentage of 908 or 910, and the Leafs can play the way they can play with the people they have on the ice – the story is completely different. We're not, the script is completely different. Um, And and biggest thing is you look at his low danger uh, shots against, he made nine of nine saves. Okay. So he didn't give up that, that weak goal that maybe we're used to seeing with guys like Shalgren. You know, we saw with Frederick Anderson later in his leaf career. Um, So we, we, we've grown used to seeing those, those weak goals kind of get past our goaltenders. Matt Murray made some big saves tonight. And yeah, his save percentage won't dictate it. You know, 30 of 30, 30 out of 33 shots were uh, were saves. So that 900 save percentage, but he made he kept the team in the game when he needed to. They they got the the tying goal in the third period. They found a way to get a point and 
a lot of that has to go back to Matt Murray. That was what he, his job was to do was to keep him in the game. And mm-hmm. he did exactly that. They just couldn't get it done in overtime. And you can't pin that on the goaltender at that point. So also people- expected goals against was 3.38. He allowed three goals against. So looking at that, all those shots that became goals were goals. Yeah. So you no, really can't absolutely. fault him if it like, you know, if the expected goals are supposed to be 0.6 and he allowed three, then that's concerning because those are like bad goals to give up. But those were goals that, you know, they were decent shots. They were great shots, great opportunities. And, you know, it was a result of that. There's and and again, it all comes down to the defense in front of him because um that's my that's gonna be my main takeaway because if he's going to post up these subpar numbers, everyone's going to point to him and be like, oh, Matt Murray can't get it done. I'm like, yeah, well, neither is the team in front of him. Shelvin keeps calling them out multiple times, including this game right now. They Everybody has to be better. Yeah, no, absolutely. I couldn't agree more with you. And and that's, you know, that's part of it. And from what I've seen in the three games that he's played, I'm, I'm still on the Matt Murray train. I still yeah. think you need to give this guy an opportunity to get oh, it yeah. done when the team is playing at its best. The team mm-hmm. is not playing at its best. It hasn't all year. And like you said, they're lucky to be where they are in the standings. It can't continue. It it, it simply cannot continue. Um, but one one guy that that stood out for me, and you know, a little uh little teaser here for my my first ever Maple Leafs power rankings over at the uh at the uh the hockey writers here, Jordy Ben. And and I'll tell you right now, he's he's in my top five for the past week, what he's done, what he's brought. I I mentioned it in my piece that, man, his skating, the way he's gotten involved in the offense, hell, he's looking a little bit like Jamie Ben out there. But um, <laughs> he, he's, he's added that kind of physical edge as well that the Leafs are missing with Jake Muzzin out of the lineup. And there's a lot of speculation about what the Leafs are going to do with that little bit of cap space, the little bit of cap relief that they're going to get, obviously Lilligren coming back, Murray coming back, there's not as much cap space as people assume there's going to be. That said, there's a lot of talk about what the Leafs are going to do to fill that gap. My my thinking right now is that defense isn't your overall problem. The problem is your team, you, you've got this offensively skilled team that should be putting up five goals a game, and they're not. And... Your goaltending, if you look at the numbers, your goaltending isn't actually that bad. Your defensive numbers actually aren't that bad. Yeah, you have, you know, some some maybe gaps where you could f- find ways to fill it. Justin Hall, unfortunately, being one of them. And that's not a knock on Justin Hall. He just, I've said it before, he's just not getting it done in Toronto. And I think his confidence there is gone. Um, in saying that, to fill Jake Muzzin's spot, like, I think the Leafs need to take a look at what they have organizationally first. I think to 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 go out and make a trade, I'm not I'm not dead set on going out and making like let's make a big splash and go get Jacob Chikrin. I'm not I'm not dead set on that. Um, Alex put out a piece about some possibilities. I know I know Connor Murphy was one of them. Uh, I know there's been talk about Southie coming over. Yeah. Um, there's there's a lot of great options. I think first you have to give the opportunity to a guy like Jordy Ben to play on the on the bottom pairing. He's done what he's been asked to do in the in the first few games here. To me, there's no reason why you don't kind of run with this and see what he's going to offer you. And you know what? In five, 10 games, if 
he kind of falls off the deep end, then yeah, okay, then you look at making a trade. But for me, I think you need to find that depth scoring because you're not getting it right now. And that's what's going to, that's, what's going to cripple you in the playoffs. Yeah. And you know, considering that he's not, or he hasn't been that offensive driver in the past, we're seeing like a new side of him and he's 35 years old. So for him to have the legs that he has, like you said, like I, I'm absolutely amazed by his speed, his hands still not the greatest. <laughs> yeah, as mean, we saw with that, as rocks. we saw with that turnover, <laughs> at the blue line, they're leading to the Heischer goal. But his ability to make those reads, those subtle reads to jump into the play, which is which is miles better than what Justin Hall can do. Yeah, we see his pinches, they're poorly timed. We're seeing Jordy Ben jump up at the right time to keep the play alive. We're seeing him did work give and goes. And we saw him just go down deep and then um get the game winner against the Vancouver Canucks. So he's having that mindset and that's one. And I'm writing about Jordy Ben right now. And that's my biggest takeaway with his game right now. He's got, he's providing some underrated uh, value offensively for this team right now, but defensively is where he's going to shine because of his ability to block players out, clear the traffic in front of the net and, you know, make Vesna like saves against Sidney Crosby, like he did against the Pens. So, um, yeah, I've been absolutely amazed at what he's able to do right now. And again, Short sample or small sample, three games right now. But, you know, he is looking like the best defenseman on this team right now. And I I, I do agree that you should give him more of an opportunity right now because he is playing well. And I still think maybe you should go out and get a defenseman to just shore up that depth because you brought in him, you brought him in to be that depth player. And now he's fulfilled this uh, top six role or he's trying to maintain the top six role. You need to have that because I still don't trust Justin Hall. Rasmus Sandin, as Keisha said, his confidence is shot and he's trying to build that back. Maybe you try and bring in, and I did write about, uh, uh, Susie coming over as a possible player because he can't play that left right hand side. He gives you multiple options on defense. So, yeah, maybe you don't go for a high name, but you do go for depth and try and build that and give them more consistency on the back end. But <clears throat> overall, I think Ben is doing a really great job with that. And obviously, we need to see more of it. He still looked great against the New Jersey Devils, bar that, you know, little gaffe. But at the same time, I thought he still looked fantastic given how poor the Maple Leafs have been recently. And I think him coming in is what they need. They just need to show him a piece of everything altogether. Yeah, no, absolutely. And and I want to jump back quickly to the Murray stuff too, again, because I just want to talk about very briefly how there's this flood of goalie injuries right now. So Mm -hmm. the Leafs are actually in an okay spot. They've got Samsonov likely coming back on the week next week. You've got um, Murray obviously coming back and playing two straight games. And you do have Shalgren and you do have Petrozelli now on the roster as well. I just saw the news that Wedgwood was stretchered off in the, in the stars game. That's their guy gone. Uh, from what I understand, Marc-Andre Fleury's out for one to two weeks as well. So that's another guy gone. The goaltending situation in the NHL right now is very, very, very limited. So if you're the Leafs, Frederick Anderson's still out in Carolina. Yeah. So, I mean, if you're the Leafs right now, you have to be somewhat happy with the the, the results. The kinda. results that you're getting 
with what you have. You 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 were playing your fourth or fifth string goaltender for a week without any kind of backup, any NHL experience on your bench, and you're sitting where you are right now in the Atlantic Division. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's a testament to how shitty the Atlantic Division got this year, but take what you can right now and run with it. Um, and, and, and support is going to be on the way because Samson coming back and he, yeah. he had a hell of a start to the year. So, um, but yeah, I think, I think Ben, you got to give him an opportunity. I wouldn't mind seeing a minor move, maybe get Justin Hall out and, and find a piece like Sosie. um, just to, just to shore up what you already have. Um, obviously TJ Brody's going to be back as well. So you have to mm-hmm. understand, you have to consider that too. If you, when he comes back, maybe Hall's the odd man out. I know that's unrealistic thinking because like for whatever reason, Sheldon Keefe has this hard on for Justin Hall. And I mean, it, it is what it is, but I, I do think Jordy Ben should stay in and, and yeah. Justin Hall needs to come out and just get a, get a second to maybe see the game from above, see the game, mm-hmm. how it unfolds and, and try and see where he's making his mistakes. And maybe that helps with his confidence, but um, to me, if I think I was just about to say, if it's not Hall, then it's probably going to be Sandine. And I hate for it to be Sandine because you want to give him the confidence because you know the skill set that he's he the has. Future. He's the future. You know he the can't... skill set that he has, exactly. But at the yeah. same time, it's just, do you let him watch a game from above? But then again, if you're trying to build his confidence, that's kind of not the right thing to do. So it's sh- in theory, it should be Hall. But for some reason, I think it's going to be Sandine. Yeah, no, I, I I do agree with you. I think, uh, you know, it's uh, it's not it's not an ideal situation mm-hmm. to to say the least. But uh, it's definitely something that we'll have to keep an eye on as as TJ Brody uh, makes his return, uh, hopefully in the next couple of weeks. Here, um, before we close it out, I did just want to send our best to the Saint Ignatius hockey team. Um, obviously another bus crash, uh, takes you back a little bit to the humble Broncos, obviously not as severe, um, but, uh, still a very scary moment. And again, an intoxicated driver that hit him. Um, it just, uh, it's, it's, it's stifling to, to, to think that this continues to happen and, and innocent people continue to get, get hurt because of it. So our, our best to the, the entire team, to the entire school, um, we truly, 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 truly hope that everybody recovers well and can continue with with uh, their playing career and, uh, you know, just moving forward with life in, in general. So um, with that, before we hit the uh, hit the closeout button here, uh, Peter, anything you wanted to throw out there to our listeners? Um, just look out for that Jordy Ben piece that I'm working on. Uh, hopefully coming out in the next few days. But uh, yeah, I, I, I again, kind of like what we talked about. I've been really happy with what I've seen with him. So might as well write about it. Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. I love it. Um, get to the live show, guys. Get to the live show. Sit down. Have a drink. Watch the game. The Leafs are in Toronto on Monday against the horrible, horrible fans of the new york islanders so get out there cheer on your leafs sit down we're we're recording at 4 p.m at 22 front street right beside the hockey hall of fame bottom line it's a fantastic place we're in studio be mm-hmm. sure to stop by say hello you know we love interacting with our listeners as always uh if you have a question you want to throw it out there we'll definitely get to it as well you can check us out that night live on facebook on twitter 
and on YouTube. Be sure to subscribe. Make sure you comment. Make sure you leave your, your, your questions so we can answer them. We're very excited to get to our second live show at the bottom line. And Indie Ale House will be in the house to drop off some, some fantastic product for us. I know I'll be crushing a couple on the show. Mm-hmm. I don't know about this guy. We'll see. We'll see. We'll see what he does. I was hesitant but, last time. I was usually hesitant when, last time. Yeah, yeah. Usually I usually wait Alex till the end there, of the show. Yeah. Yeah. Alex will crush one at least for sure. Um, but uh aside from that, guys, um an- another another great episode here, 103. If you want to follow Peter, you can follow him on Twitter at P Barracchini. You can follow That's if Alex. it's still up. That's if it's still up. We'll see. <laughs> Twitter's t- taking a crash and burn. Thank you, Elon Musk. Um <laughs> But uh, yeah, so is this Tesla stock. Let me tell oh, you, man. Tesla stock, embarrassing. But who needs a, a Tesla that's... when you? Who needs a Tesla when you have like other car companies making cheaper electric vehicles? Exactly, Just exactly. Just saying. But uh, anyways, you can follow Peter at P Barracchini on Twitter. He might get Instagram, so you can also find him on Instagram. Maybe. Um, you can follow Alex at A Hobson Media, or you can follow myself at Andrew G Forbes. You can also follow the the uh, the show at Sticks in the Six Pod. That's S T I X I N T H E six I X P O D. Make sure you follow so that you can watch us live on Monday. Check us out on YouTube, as I mentioned. Subscribe, leave comments, rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. We're getting some great reviews. We got one from out in Australia, so we got listeners all over the globe. Yeah. Um, help us out. Help us out. It takes five minutes of your time to help us out, um, and check us out on every stream platform. Make us part of your wrapped on Spotify at the end of the year. Sticks in yeah. the six. Aside from that, guys, uh, that's another great week in the books. Go Leafs go. Let's hope they get it done on Monday when we are live at the bottom line. That's it for us tonight. Thank you. We'll see you next week. Thank you.